0: Hello, welcome back to the Education on File podcast. We're just post-holiday, so I guess we might all still be a little bit sleepy, we might be moving a little bit slower, but I really appreciate you tuning in and being here today. Now, many of us have dogs in our house, we have animals that we look after as part of our family, and we know the benefits that come with that, but there are also schools and organisations that are involved with dogs in supporting children. So today I'm delighted to be chatting to Debbie Lackin, and she's a fully qualified dog trainer and dog behaviouralist. She's a member of many associations such as the Pet Professional Network, International Companion Animal Network, the Pet Professional Guild, Into Dogs and More. Now Debbie is the founder of Kids Around Dogs, which is an association of force-free dog professionals who specialise in working with families and schools to help kids and dogs live happily and in harmony with each other. I think we can all appreciate the importance this has with many children, both in terms of them being at one with dogs and feeling happy around dogs, but also the extra kind of well-being and support that actually having an animal around can really do so this is a fascinating conversation where we get stuck into all these kind of questions so this is my conversation with debbie Lakin talking about kids around dogs hi debbie thank you so much for being here on the education on fire podcast I think one of the things that I've learned and heard recently, again, is this sense of the environment for a school, the environment that we live in has such a big impact on us generally, whether it's in terms of stress, whether it's in terms of of our ability to kind of learn and to grow. So I think today is going to be a fantastic conversation in terms of having that kind of expanse and understanding of exactly what's important in life in terms of creating an environment and how we can support each other. So, yeah, thanks so much for being here today.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: So. Take us through Kids Around Dogs. What's the what's the aim and and, and how does it work within within that sort of child situation within schools and parents as well?
1: Uh, So Kids Around Dogs is an association of professionals, uh, qualified professionals, and we work with families and schools to make sure that children uh, can be educated around dogs, to know uh, what dogs are like, what they don't like, how to behave around dogs, to be a bit more dog savvy. And we also help children who are scared of dogs. And we also train dogs. (laughs) So not only we train the the humans, (laughs) we also train dogs. Um, And one of of our uh, topic is in fact school dogs. And that's uh, that's something that I've seen uh, very much lately, um, becoming more and more popular. We see more dogs in schools, and it's brilliant. You know, I love to see dogs in school, especially after the pandemic. A lot of kids are going back to school with some anxiety and some, uh, you know, doubts about being there. And um, a lot of children. I was one of those kids that didn't want to go to school <laughs> for many reasons, such as didn't like studying. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know there there the could be also some problems at home. There are there are a lot of reasons why a child might feel uh, uneasy about going to school, and throughout the day things can be difficult. They might have uh, a little problem with a friend, for example, and they might not be able to find that connection with someone. So through an animal assisted intervention, in in our case uh, with dogs. Um, there is that connection with the animal. Um, The dog will will accept you in a way, won't it? And that affection, that uh, the sense of the uh, warmth that a dog can give you and the soft fur. So there is a lot of uh, uh, positivity around having a dog uh, in a school. Um, Especially, like I said, from the point of view of, of the children. Who obviously like dogs, um, but we can also help children who are scared of dogs. Um, So with this, the dogs in school, they can be um, educated on how to recognize the similarities that we have with dogs. uh, Things dogs do for us, things we can do for them, how to speak the language of dogs so the children can really learn a lot of things uh, about dogs. They can also keep them safe but also empower them to be um, around this wonderful creature. Uh, So having school dogs I feel is extremely uh, beneficial for the children. The thing that sometimes makes me, um, worries me a little bit, is how uh, often schools or the the handler that takes the dog into school might not be fully aware of how the dog is feeling. So they might recognize the benefit of, of the dog into school from the child's point of view and even from the staff, but they might not have a look at what the dog is actually thinking how he's feeling is he enjoying being there is he staying there too long so there are a lot of factors to consider and that's where um effectively we come in
0: so we're just going to say in in, in that sort of scenario talk me through you know what's important first of all from a school point of view they they've decided that actually it's something they'd like to introduce maybe they've not had it before They, they know the benefits Where's their where's their starting point? Is it literally coming to you and and saying we want to do it because we want to make sure that all the things that need to be in place are and we know that the people coming in with a dog are fully aware of all of these situations? I guess that's a really important factor before you even sort of start the process.
1: Absolutely. In fact, I would suggest if possible, even before adopting the dog, if your intention is, oh, I like for the dog we are going to adopt, whether it's a rescue or from puppy, um, from a breeder, you go, I like for the dog that we are going to adopt to be uh, eventually a school dog, definitely is to get in touch with a Uh, kids around dogs are professionals so that they can help you even uh, finding the right breeder finding the right puppy and uh, start the (laughs) the training from the beginning uh, for the puppy or for the for the dog to be um, to see first of all if he's happy to be uh, a dog that will go into schools Um, what it, what does the dog need to know? <laughs> it's effectively, could send the dog to school as well, <laughs> to doggy school. Yeah. Uh, so the the behavior, perhaps, that he needs to know, the things that he needs to be able to recognize, um how he should be more kind of a relaxed dog rather than a very lively and super active dog. Um, uh, sometimes breed breed of the dog matters, uh, but in order situation it doesn't so if uh, you can have a dog that is effectively naturally very active say a spring spaniel they're generally very lively little things Um, yet they can be perfect perfectly good uh, school dogs Um, so it's not so much the breeds about the personality of the dog Um, and then teaching the handler and the school staff and the children about Uh, dog body language so that they can recognize when the dog um, is maybe not too happy in the situation he's in. Um, For example, say that the dog um, yawns a lot or even just take a good yawn when uh, there is no bed around or when you think, oh, that's a bit odd for him to be tired now. Um, So that could be a sign of stress. That could be the dog saying, this is a bit too much for me, I need a break uh lip licking is also quite common in dogs to say bit much for me i need need some time out leave me alone <laughs> um the more obvious could be that the dog just walk away from a situation or he turns his head away from a situation uh, those are a bit more obvious and easier to spot uh, and when that happens we should be listening to the dog and follow him uh, out of the room as such so recognizing some basic canine body language is important and I like for kids to learn that too so not only um, the handler of the dog. Um, some behaviors that are, I th- I think, are important for dogs to know is, for instance, to lie down, especially if you have a big dog. If they sit, the most common behavior is always the sit. Isn't it in a dog? Everyone is like sit <laughs> to every dog. Uh, but effectively, a lot of dogs don't like to sit as well. But if they lie down effectively in front of a child it would be best for them to be a bit lower, simply because when they're sitting down, say they're in front of a a toddler, or even a four year old or so, they could be at a head eye. So it would be better for the dog to be a bit lower and avoid too much eye contact and too much uh, proximity with the face. Um, Also, uh, the logistic of the school. So say that you want to take your dog into schools, but the dog would not have a space where he can sleep without the children around uh, or without, you know, too much traffic, if you like. Um, A space where the dog is able to take himself away while still being on on the lead, of course. Um, Or a a space where he can have some fresh air, a space where he can, you know, be popped out as well. So a lot of logistics within the school environment um, is important, is essential. In uh, when we, we work with school dogs. Um, also not expecting too much. This is something I see very often actually. You see dogs taken into school every day and very often all day as well. And often the, hand, the handler goes, oh, it's all right, because then he goes and sleeps in the uh, teacher's lounge, for example. But that is not his house. That is not his home. He will not be able to fully relax The way he would when he's home, just like we we would. (laughs) So while yeah, you can go and have your coffee in the in the teacher's lounge, of course, you can have a sit down and have a chat with your colleagues. It's not the same as go home, put your pyjamas on and and chill in front of the fire, is it? (laughs) So exactly. So it's the same kind of logic. Um so make sure not to overwork the dog. Um again on that is very much on the individual dog. And that's why it's important to then have a professional to help you recognize those things in the dog in front of you rather than yeah. just you know generalizing as such.
0: And so I, I guess, the, I already know the answer to this question, it depends on the school, it depends on the circumstances, it depends on the dog. Um, but often, is it a situation where, you know, who is the handler often? Who is the person that is kind of essentially responsible for the dog sort of 24 seven um and then i can understand then how you decide to sort of bring it in and out of school so you know you could say well the the, the head is the person that's the handler but of course they're going to be full-on working the entire day so they're not going to be able to take it away from the school or or to give it the time and attention they may need across the board because i guess depending on how many kids there are in the school like you say there might be lots of children who want to be around the dog or feel that support like you said at the very beginning but it's not the right time so do you have sort of any experience of of the sorts of people who become the handlers, or, or the sorts of people who are in the, in the best position to kind of sort of to look after it for the welfare of the dog as well as the school?
1: Yes, you know, you mentioned the head. Very often, is the head uh, or one of the teachers that you know has decided. Oh, I would like for my dog to be, or the dog that I will adopt uh, will be a great um, school dog. So effectively, I think. Uh, all of the times that I've been working with the school dogs, they have been a member of staff that will, mm. you know, they will have the dog. So whether it is the head that might be particularly busy, but a teacher as well because he's in the class with the kids, so you can't, you know, you can't have three hundred dogs. Um, what I suggest is for have one main handler, which will be normally the owner, um, and some support so maybe a couple of, of uh, co-workers that can help at the same time uh, but also have perhaps a professional dog walker or a, a doggy daycare kind of thing that can come to pick up the dog in at some point in the day when we know they've reached you know they say that the dog can only do Uh, three hours in the school, for example, then you can arrange for a professional or a friend, a family member um, to come in and pick up the dog from work so that you can then uh, carry on with your work. The dog is fine because they've gone to to their home or to a daycare or whatever. And uh, so he's happy. (laughs) He's all right outside of the school environment. You're relaxed. You can carry on working, taking care of the kids because you know your dog is going to be okay. Um, and I think that is the really the best way.
0: Yeah, it just struck me there really that you're you're introducing a new member of the school family, aren't you? And 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 that changes depending on the schedule of the school, depending on the schedule of of who the who's involved, and and it can become sort of very personalised. And that makes so much sense then, like say the the main person the main handler but then all that support network around as all of us with children know (laughs) you know you you need that support network to just to keep life moving and all those balls that you're juggling and there's nowhere busier than a school for for that to be the case and i think it's so important for everyone listening to to sort of to think like that because like i said when we first started this conversation you know the benefits of having a dog around the benefits for the children the change of the environment within your within your school sounds amazing it's like let's go do it (laughs) but then as with all these things you know, there's a lot of thought and consideration which needs to be to be put into place as well and then you need that kind of considered yes this is the right way to do it and actually we've now found a way that works for us whereas maybe before it was still a great idea but we weren't in a position to put it into place in the in the way that you mentioned yeah
1: yeah, yeah. and to be fair as well is because it's such a popular thing now a lot of school or a lot of people are aware that, of the positive um, aspects of having a school dog so I feel that because they understand the benefit, they would want to do things the right way. Um, after all, if the dog is not happy, the whole project, the whole probably would just fail, wouldn't it, if if God forbid anything should happen, or if the dog just doesn't stay still when a child is trying to read, for example, you know, things like this, you go, mm, things are not working out quite as planned. <laughs> um, <laughs> so of course the 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 project in itself would just would not be working out and so you would you would have to leave the dog home um instead of taking him to school so i am i really feel positive that most people would want things to go perfectly well um from from everyone involved um yeah
0: and do you sort of have A sense of 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 the benefits that can be structured in that way because like you said you can the the well-being idea is um is something which i can completely understand and then like you mentioned about sort of the fear of dogs as well whereas that becomes a much more kind of i don't know if it's timetabled in that way but that sense of you know we need we need to have a program here which supports um supports the children in in maybe a more pragmatic way than just having a dog around for example Uh, what's your experience of that
1: uh, so th- I don't know if you know this, mark, but I uh, designed a protocol to overcome the fear of dogs in children. So it's a protocol is designed in uh, 10 sessions. Uh, seven when are done privately, seven will be done on generally online but can also be done face to face. During those seven sessions, the child learns about dogs. Again, basic things, we don't want to um, overwhelm the children, um, but they learn about dogs and, and we uh, cognitive behavioral therapy as well, they uh, learn to kind of change their mind <laughs> about dogs mm-hmm. and every week they'll have a little task or a game to do um, and then they have, re- they receive a reward for doing this task. Uh, I'll give you an example of, of the task for instance, um, one of my favorite is when at some point, they need to write or uh, draw come up with a story about a dog and then uh, online or face-to-face they would read their story or tell their story to uh, to myself or to a cat approved professional and the dog so it's uh, it's it's good fun because you always, you know, what kids are like, they come up with like the best stories, <laughs> <laughs> very creative and everything. So it's really good fun. And even if uh, some might not be uh, quite too happy to write, they can always, you know, draw it or they can just make it up uh, there and then. I'm, I'm happy with anything as long as the child uh, comes up with it. Um, and the fact that they have taught about a dog they might have come up with a name for the dog and a dog might be looking in a certain way might be even i don't know a pink dog for example is fine or a dog with enormous ears and a tiny little tail whatever they want and an adventure has happened to this dog and then there is a resolution. And very often the the things can be quite short. The dog might have uh, gone to the park and needed a really, really big wee and don't know where go home. (laughs) Sometimes it's just that easy (laughs) and it's fine, it's fine. Um, Whatever story, it came from the child and that's crucial. Because it's one of those times where the child has not been thinking about dogs in a way where maybe the dog is going to lick him, the dog is going to bite him, the dog is going to jump on him. It's not about that. They're thinking about the dog in a very different way of what they're uh, used to, what their mind will tell them to do. Um, So with tasks of this kind, we end the teaching they learn about dogs and learning to change their mind about dogs and then we do the introduction slowly on on with the dog like i said for instance if they were to tell a story or read a story to a dog it could be done on a screen or it could be done in person at, an, at a distance <laughs> we wouldn't expect the child to sit next to a dog um, the dog would be with the handler on a lead. so say that they're working with me the dog would be will be my dog on a lead with me or the school dog if we're working with another dog um, the lead is important because it helps the child to feel safe because they think oh well the dog is on the lead but at the same time there is a connection between the handler and the dog through the lead and also the dog learns not to uh, go off <laughs> and just uh, wonder why um, so yes through little uh, task of this kind learning they start having this connection with the dog and then they finally meet the dog they've learned so much about them and you can talk about the things that they're learning so if you go on a little walk with the child and the dog you can say oh look at the um, dog's ears for example if the dog's uh, ears are pulled back or down the dog is not very happy well let's have a look at what might make the dog upset so we might have a look at the environment and maybe there is a car alarm that is going off and the noise of the car alarm is upsetting the dog so we can discuss things like this um, with the child and they're all things children can really relate to Uh, fireworks is something that scares many many dogs and many children so they can relate to that as well and it's brilliant to see how they realize that they have so much in common with dogs they can start to understand them and with this connection, they slowly um, build up their confidence, the confidence that they need to um, to live in a world with dogs.
0: And I think what just really came to mind was the fact that all of those things that you said make so much sense in terms of of the, of the relationship with the dog but it's so far removed from, now we're gonna do a maths lesson. Now we're gonna yeah. do an English lesson. Now we're gonna, you know, even just my whole demeanor about my thoughts of education and learning, even <laughs> sat here while we're chatting, suddenly has a very different feel about it. It's got a different air of an environment and a and, and a way of being. And I think it's it's very hard to quantify that, but we all know that's the case, don't we? So yeah. I th- I think, you know, just experiencing that and maybe, um understanding of of what you're able to give and to to make that decision like you say to to get involved in that way is something which is beneficial in so many different levels Mm -hmm. that um yeah i I just love it
1: well imagine you know sitting there doing math right like i said i wasn't the kid that would jump to school (laughs) i (laughs) i didn't love school (laughs) um and I'm, I'm from Switzerland, so, you know, we, we also had a bit maybe different uh, different way of uh, of learning too. But, um, and also I'm, I'm not exactly super, super young <laughs> anymore. So again, different, different times, there were different times. But imagine, you know, you're at school and you're sitting there doing math, doing English, doing geography, whatever. And then they say, oh, the dog is coming in today and he's going to stay with us for, say, 10 minutes. And while we do... we practice something, <laughs> fractions, for example, the little dog is going to sit with us and he's going to uh, listen to what, what we're doing. So then you take the dog in and it just changes everything. Suddenly, you're not only the, one, the only one learning, but the dog is learning with you. So how can we help the doggy to understand what it's like, for example? Or you can even use the dog as a reward in a way. You go, right, if we manage to finish this page that we need to do in English, then the dog is going to come into our classroom. And that could motivate the kids. Unfortunately, you know, some things still need to be done. <laughs> the, the curriculum still have to be, uh, to be done. They need to, to learn certain things. So why not make it a little bit more fun and more rewarding? You go, right, okay, we're going to finish this page and then the dog is going to come into our classroom. Yay, awesome. Um, and for, uh, they could even include the dog in some writing or in some example in, in, uh, um, in problematic things um, so the children can feel a little bit extra motivated because... They have to write a story about the dog or they have to um their their uh, topic of conversation will include the dog so that could be you know really good fun and again an extra an extra um, uh, reason to learn effectively
0: yeah and those multi-levels isn't it it's so key and you know the, the child that's struggling that needs some time out or that needs the ability to kind of i always think they just need to reconnect with themselves often because they're they're in a classroom it's not working for them you know they're obviously anxious or whatever that situation is there's nothing better than being in nature or interacting with other people or a dog and in in that kind of remembering you know essentially who we are and what life is all about and that kind of thing and i think it may well be that having that regular interaction that regular ability to be able to kind of just have a sense of the school isn't what I perceived it to be all of the time. And like you say, <laughs> there are still things that everyone has to do um in the current system. But to kind of have the control of your school environment to kind of help people in like I say, in whichever way that happens to be, whether it's the reward, whether it's um that supportive role, I think is I think is is so really important.
1: Absolutely. And it really you can integrate the topic of of dogs in many things. Um for instance, during the pandemic um I had to teach my daughter as many of us did and uh, um, we were doing geography which is a subject she was never quite keen in and so i would integrate some dogs oh for instance pugs are from china <laughs> things like this and how to complete desperation of course but it, it does work you can still integrate the dogs into any topic really
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely and like i say it, and it's it, I think learning is so much better when it's conscious and when it's based on your experience. And like you say, you know, if if dogs in inverted commas are the experience and the thing that you're interested in, like I say, that opens a door to whatever country, whatever breed, whatever situation, how they're used around the world, all of that kind of thing, I think is uh, I think is, is really, really so invaluable. Um so tell me about your school experience. Is there something that you remember um, which is beneficial? Something, a teacher that maybe had a big impact on your life? What's there something you'd like to share in that area?
1: So first of all, I'd love to say that we did have a dog in school, but we didn't, <laughs> sadly. <laughs> um, and as I mentioned before, I'm from Switzerland, from the south of Switzerland. And, uh, um, and I didn't love school, but I had a math teacher when I was uh 13 and I was struggling math I didn't quite get it I maybe I didn't want to get it I don't know but the teachers I'd had so far had always been very strict and they didn't seem to understand that maybe I was struggling they they always would tell my parents oh she has so much potential and yet she's not doing it and I always thought to myself, but if I have this much potential, why can't I do it? <laughs> you know, There was something that missing. Uh, so when I was 13 then, uh, this teacher, I was uh, changed class and I was uh, uh, with this teacher There was uh, an, an Italian uh, kind of bigish man. And his name was Trisoldi, which means three coins in, <laughs> in Italian. And he was the kind of guy that would talk about his stuff at home as well. He had a partner, but it was a marriage, which, again, bit different in Switzerland back then. And he was talking about his dogs. So there you go. I was already interested. He would show up to school in a Hawaiian shirt every day. It was like Tom Selleck. Um, <laughs> so it was already a kind of a character in himself. And he would give us all a nickname. I was Boo Boo, like the, the bear. So, um, yeah, we all had a nickname. And suddenly he made... Math, math fun He would give us examples like I said before you know you integrate the dog in, in a problematic thing he would talk about his life and he would chuck in some example of his life into math and things suddenly started to kind of make sense for me and I started to improve I was probably never going to be a math genius but that wasn't the point it was a uh, the point was to reach a curriculum and then you know leave school and carry on with life and he made that possible for me and i be forever grateful to him in fact when i um i did a, a thesis later on in life i talked about him because he made such an impact in, in my life in my learning that i will never forget
0: yeah i love that and i love the white like the shirt i love that i do i did that when i was doing some sort of whole class samba stuff in various different schools i'd make sure that i turned up in in something which was different than everyone else that was going to was going to be there just to kind of to, to sort of set that scene one of it being obviously brazil but also that sort of sense of a slightly different sense but i, I think that kind of you know it's understanding that whatever your personality or whichever way works for you that's the best way because that's what then gets the connection isn't it and I, and i think that's so much and so much what we what we hear here on the show is the fact that it's about how that person was felt or what they understood all the connections and and all of that and whatever that is for you that's the way forward as an educator or, or even as a parent whatever you know it's that sort of fully embracing that sort of authenticity and if it connects with you as the person delivering it it then transfers to the the, the people receiving it I think and uh, there there is no best practice for that other than it is what it is and 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 it's and it's doing it doing it in your way with the training and the knowledge and everything that you understand as well yeah um what was the best piece of advice you were ever given or maybe you'd like to flip it in terms of the bits of advice that you might give your younger self now, looking back as a, as, as a more mature, Debbie, but being able to help help the younger one. <laughs>
1: in... <it> <laughs> Shall I tell you the story of how I got this piece of advice? It's a bit funny, but um, when I was 20, I traveled to Japan and uh, I had a friend in, in uh, uh, Osaka. So this friend took me uh, to see those people that can read your future weather, by the way you write your name. So I wrote my name and this lady said many, many things in Japanese and my friend would translate. And it's funny because this lady was going and my friend would just say like three words. I'm like, mm, pretty <laughs> sure she said more than that. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that really stuck with me is that she said at the time, learn to do one thing at the time. And this is something I always struggled in life because I, I always wanted do a million things at once uh, and funny how we know now the multitasking is not a thing um, and I understand it now so every now and then still today and I'm no longer 20 I go back to that do one thing at a time because when I struggle when I can't do really what I want to do I realize I'm doing too much do too much all at once so I take a step back do my little list and go right i'm gonna do one thing at a time so that would be um probably the best advice i've ever got um and i can still and i still use it today
0: yeah i think it's amazing like you say when you and, and also the way that we forget as well isn't it it's like you know it's the case you've done it a million times and then when things aren't quite clicking into place on any given day you think, ah, oh, yes, I, I, I remember. And then you can go back and, and do it again. And that, 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 that's so true. I remember someone recently telling me about a conference. Um, you know, I'm, I've given you loads of tips. I've given you loads of advice. I've given you loads of examples. And you'll want to do it all because you think it's going to make a difference. And they said the same sort of thing. Pick one thing, implement that. And then if you want to add another one, do that. But the one at a time was the thing which, one, you can control. And two, you can kind of... Um, don't feel overwhelmed because of all those things and uh yeah one one at a time great great advice um is there a resource you'd like to share And this can be anything personal or professional whether it's a podcast a book a video film song but something which has had an impact that you'd like to share
1: oh uh oh gosh that's a very good question (laughs) i think when i was younger and again uh, every now and then later in life there was the um, paolo coelho book the alchemist uh that i brought back again in life later on, and uh, um, some wise word from uh, Louise Hay as well. Um, she was, um, you might have heard of her, she was very famous. Uh, she brought the manifesting happiness. And I, I do believe that if you think positively about life or aspects of your life, then you can um, also look at things in a different way, and hopefully bring you joy and bring you happiness and again positivity. And I do try to use this and to tell my daughter about this as well, and uh, and the uh, people I work with. Um, and I, I sometimes I feel like dogs are a little bit like that. They don't, uh, they probably don't think too much about the problems of life and distress and. And you know what, I'm supposed to cook for dinner (laughs) every day of my life (laughs) because dinner is going to be served for them, I guess. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's uh, books like Pyro Coelho, The Alchemist, and Louise Hay kind of all of the ones she's written um, that have, um, have helped me to try to be more positive and try to be happier. And even when things are let's say, not work out the way I want them to do, uh, or to be, um, I try to think, right, why hasn't that worked out for me? Maybe it wasn't the right thing, maybe I should change something, and that often helps me to just be able to look at things in a different uh, way and change them for the better, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, Great. great. Great resources there. We'll have links to those on the sh- on the show notes thank as well. I know, I know Hay House generally has a whole range oh, yes. of authors as well. No, don't they, which does yeah, yeah, that? Yeah. But yeah, certainly the books and, and her inspiration is uh, is something which I think everyone should be aware of if, if they're not. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And 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 just finally, the acronym Fire is important. Obviously, here at Education on Fire, and by that I mean feedback, inspiration, resilience, and empowerment what's the thing that strikes you when you hear those words is there one that stands out or or something that that sort of piques your interest
1: well i would like for all of them to be something that i can use in life and that i can uh teach my daughter to you know my child to um to have especially let's say the empowerment i think the feeling empowerment of Every little aspect of our life can be so important. Can help you to overcome uh, fears. It can help you to overcome difficult times. Um, it can help you to understand others. So uh, all of those words, in fact, are, uh, are related to being also more empathic, being being more present for your f- for your friends, for your family, for loved ones. Um, so yeah, I would say this would be my
0: answer. Yeah, I love that. And, and it fits so nicely in terms of, like you say, all those things about being present and empathetic and, and those sorts of things, you know, I can could, I could, I could see that from, you know, your, your love of dogs and what you do yeah. and all that kind of thing, because there's, there's nothing, there's nothing more sort of synchronized or the synchronicity of, of that kind of being with a dog in a room, in a, in a, in a place There it has to be about the here and the now and um, and I, I can see why that really speaks to you so much. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for, for sharing all of that. It's really given me food for for thought in terms of of what a school environment can look like i've i know of some people who bring a dog in just externally on on the odd mm-hmm, occasion yeah, but yeah. The, the the idea of that sense of you know having a having a school dog and, and 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 how that can work in so many different ways i think is fascinating so so please just tell people where they can find out more about you and, and obviously the work that you're doing
1: uh, so yes, so we are everywhere in the UK and bits abroad as well. Uh, we are on kidsarounddogs.co.uk. Uh, also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> also we're everywhere, like mushrooms we are. <laughs> uh, So if you would like to know how to find your local professional, if you go on the website kidsarounddogs.co.uk, there is a section on the menu, find your local professional. Put your postcode in or your um, uh, the name of your town and the closest one will come up
0: fantastic and that's what you need you want support and help from people who really know what mm. they're doing so uh, yeah so thanks for all the great work you're doing it's been fascinating chatting to you i thank really you. really love like i said that sense of a change of feeling in me just by talking about it let alone actually having a, a, a dog in a school as well so yeah thanks so much for being here
1: oh thank you so much for having me it's been lovely chatting to you
0: Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've created 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com.